We are going to sit down here and discuss the Browns coming back from the bye week, the play of Jacoby through the, the, the first eight games. Donovan Peoples-Jones, is this a sustainable pace? The defensive side of the ball, Martin Emerson has turned heads. We're going to talk a little bit about the rookie pass rushers through the first half of the season, what they can bring in the second half, and the Browns gearing up for an important game Sunday at 1 o'clock in Miami against the Dolphins. Your latest Lockdown Browns, your host Jeff Lloyd, joined by Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, the Lockdown Browns podcast, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, Joining me today, Garrett Bush out, Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. As I said, Pete Smith joining us here today. We're going to get into a little bit here as the Browns are returning from the bye week. Some good news. It looks like some of the key Browns personnel and players are hopefully are getting healthy at the right time as the Browns head down to Miami for a Week 10 matchup against a offense that is red hot in the Miami Dolphins. But some thoughts here to this point, Pete. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, it was a really, really weird situation. Um, you know, we talk about bridge quarterback, but it's very weird where you use the term bridge quarterback before you get to – you know, considered one of the top quarterbacks in the game and a player like Deshaun Watson. Some thoughts here on Jacoby's play to this point, Pete, and, you know, what he's been able to do for the Browns and maybe what hopefully he can do for the Browns in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Brissett's, uh he's been good relative to what we expected. I think he's overperformed expectations uh, considering what we thought was going to happen. We thought this team was going to be sort of carried by the defense and they were going to sort of be held back offensively, and that hasn't been the case. The Browns have one of the top scoring offenses in the league. Uh, and Brissett, when he has time and, and is protected and all that stuff, he can do some stuff. He, he makes he makes some pretty good throws, largely makes pretty good decisions with the ball, and occasionally will make a spectacular play with his legs. Uh, the problem he runs into and why he's a backup quarterback is that whether it's a high-pressure situation or the opponent is just getting pressure – uh, he tends to have tunnel vision and is far more likely to make a, a game losing or just critical mistake. Um, so, I mean, I'm thrilled for Brissett uh, in terms of what he busy, he's been able to do. He's, a, he's obviously a, a good human being. He's great for the locker room. I think the value there has been immense. So if you're sitting there looking back, and I think because this was the conversation heading into the year, were the Browns better served? by having Jacoby Brissett or were they, should they have gone and done something like trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or Gardner Minshew or God only knows who else they were, they, they were, they did the right thing. Jacoby Brissett has more than delivered uh, to be the answer that they needed him to be. Even though they're three and five, 
he's done more than enough to put them in positions to win. Now that that that, that isn't without leaving out. That's not to say that there haven't been situations where Brissett could have done more and should have done more, or the offense could have done more, should have done more. You look at games like the Chargers, the Falcons, some of those, the Ravens. Uh, but you're still thrilled with the overall product of what Brissett has been able to give you. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's been some things here, you know, where, you know, things have gone wrong in other places. And I think it became quite popular to maybe point the finger at number seven and say, oh, well, if he had done this and, you know, granted a mistake here, a mistake there, which even his mistakes have been, you know, lesser than I think anybody truly believes, you know, they would have been or could have been to this point. Um, and certainly I think the leadership and, and just the way he's basically embraced this opportunity, look, this is, it was a difficult spot to be put in basically saying, you know, we, we have a lot of faith in you. We, we, we really think you can do some really good things, but no matter what happens, it's an 11 game stretch and it's over. Um, you know, like it, it wasn't like they were looking for a new girl. They had a new girl and, you know, this was the time Jacoby Brissett was gonna, you know, get, so it's, it's been interesting to that point, but I think he's really, you know, accounted himself very, very well in what should to lead, you know, to an opportunity, you know, next year, it's going to be maybe a similar situation where he goes on to somebody else. Um, maybe this time it'll be, you know, grooming and holding the spot, you know, for until a young guy probably takes over. One of the guys who's been really impressive over the last five weeks on the offensive side of the ball, Pete Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, I think the, it averages out to, you know, almost five receptions, 70 yards a game over the last five weeks. We heard so much in the summer of, you know, 21, oh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and everything that had been going on and how good he looked in the summer. Then we got into the regular season and there was Odell, there was Jarvis, those things didn't pan out. And, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't play to what we think the expectations were. But here in 2022, with Amari Cooper feasting like he is, we've, we've gotten to see a lot out of number 11. You know, just a guy who seems, you know, really tuned in, dialed in and making the most of every opportunity that's come his way. Right. Um, look, Amari Cooper and D David Njoku have been great for Donovan Peoples-Jones because it puts him in the in the right role for him. He's really a he's a possession receiver with with a little extra. Um, he's not a guy who's going to separate terribly well. He gets a lot of contested catches, which is great. Um, obviously, you worry a little about what that really means for him long term. You know, it, it, are we if we get to a point where we're talking about contract extension for Donovan Peoples-Jones, what does that look like? Because it's probably not, you know, a huge priority for the Browns to throw a ton of money at him, but he's a good player. So it's you're sort of in that mix of, I'm not really sure what we're going to do here. He may be a guy who ultimately walks uh, or maybe, maybe they keep him on some reasonable deal, but for what he is, he fits in beautifully with what the Browns want to do. He's big, strong uh, as a blocker. He, catches the ball in traffic and he's got the ability to make plays with his legs after the catch, even if he's not a guy who makes a ton of plays before the catch. And the reality is because the Browns are somewhat limited with Jacoby Brissett, who has a bad habit of locking on to Amari Cooper, there have been numerous times where Donovan Peoples-Jones has been wide open and just hasn't gotten the ball. So it's interesting. I, I'm, you know, I like what I see from people's Jones. I think he's doing exactly what the Browns need him to do. The question is how much more is in there and, and what is that going to look like when Watson comes back? I, I think there, he might have a little bit more in him, but I think he's going to be a guy that that's going to be in a, a, a heated argument when it comes time to do they pay him or do they let him walk type thing in, in another year.
Oh, and especially if you want to take into account, you know, what's gone on, you know, basically the last couple of off seasons, you know, as far as, you know, wide receivers or even teams just, you know, being maybe having the quick hook, you look at a team like, you know, the New York Jets where Elijah Moore and, you know, Pete and I'll sigh a little bit here as, you know, where he is basically just almost like the complete afterthought. Um, if anybody saw, I put up uh, you know, a video that somebody had out and it was Elijah Moore basically just showing his usage on Sunday for the Brown, uh, for the Jets in a win against the Bills where it was all motion. Um, so, you know, for Donovan Peoples-Jones, it's going to be interesting because, you know, any agent's going to go in, going to try and bake the, break the bank. And, you know, Browns are going to have some decisions to make in that wide receiver room going further. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your latest Locked on Browns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. When I lost my father a couple of years ago, it was really, really difficult, uh, you know, just to deal with it. I had been through it with my wife when she had lost her father, but it's a whole different ballgame when it is dropped into your lap. But unfortunately, life does not come with a user manual. So it's not worth, it's not working for you. It's normal to feel stuck. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex enigma called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It is convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere. And it is done 100% on line. So getting to talk to someone, understanding why your thoughts are the way they are, understanding when you have a blockage in your way, it just it just makes things so much easier. And again, it, 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 there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'm not okay and I want to be okay. Everyone deserves to feel their best. BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. All the benefits of in-person therapy therapy. Plus it's more convenient. It's more accessible and it's more affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to new therapist at any time. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get unstuck with better help. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash XXXX. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash XXXX. Appreciate everybody who makes Locked On Browns their first listen every day, whether it is on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you subscribe. Of course, available now on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. You got the notifications on. Hit those likes on every episode. And check out the Roku app, Locked On Cleveland Sports. You can find Locked On Browns, Locked On Guardians, Locked On Cavaliers, and of course, the ultimate Cleveland sports show. We're joined again today by Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith. We've gone through, through some thoughts here, you know, basically the halfway point point Cleveland Browns eight games in nine to go Pete the defensive side of the ball you know we've seen an extended absence here from Denzel Ward we've seen some time missed from Miles Garrett we've seen some time missed from Jadavian Clowney and you know it's you know I know everybody gets bent out of shape and gets upset when those things come and those things occur but it gives you basically you know the chance to do a little homework and you know see guys that you've brought in and you know you know are they pieces of the future. And before we get to, you know, the young edge rushers, I do want to bring up Martin Emerson because, you know, when he was originally drafted, you and I both liked, you know, the activity, the physicalness of the player, the willing to, you know, the willing to go in and tackle, you see the length, you see, you know, the ability to, it's one thing to have length. It's another ability to know how to use your length, but number 23 and, you know, trending towards Denzel Ward coming back this week, Martin Emerson has been a really, really nice, I don't want to say surprise, 
necessarily, but it's really nice to see that this guy was able to hit the ground running like he has. Well, I would say it's a surprise simply because he was a third-round pick. I mean, the, he he is he has gone so far past Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams is barely in the ra- in the rearview mirror at this point. Um, you know, he opportunity knocked and, and he's made the most of it. It took him a little bit to get adjusted, but he didn't ever really get discouraged. I think the Patriots took advantage of him in a, a few different ways that, that you know, that, that made him look a little bit uh, exposed, but he bounced back both against the Ravens and the Bengals. Now, look, when the Browns play the Miami Dolphins, it's not a great matchup for him, but um, he's a prick and I love him for this because he just, he, ju- he, he, you will feel him over the course of a game one way or another. He, he's physical. He's a great run defender. Uh, he, and he's confident. And those are things you have to have at that position. And it gives the Browns some opportunity. So while I, you know, you look at Tyreek Hill and you look at Jalen Wild and you go, I, I don't know. I do think they may use him in some stuff and basically just say, look, your whole job is to just beat him up. Get let, if he beats you off the line of scrimmage, we've got help. But if you can beat him up, we're in great shape. And he's the type of guy who will be like, yeah, no problem, I'll do that. And if he gets beat, I don't think he's going to get down on himself. And those are the type of players I think you need to have, particularly at that position, particularly uh, in a secondary that has sort of taken their their lumps along the way. And I think that is part of why the defense is performing better is you're starting to see guys get more confident. And I, and I extend that to a guy like Greg Newsom who obviously this year uh, was asked to play slot in addition to playing on the outside. And I think that was a a bumpy ride for him initially, and he got exposed quite a bit. But I think he sort of got his sea legs a little bit and looks more comfortable, and I think those are reasons why you're starting to see the secondary play better, and I think that's stabilizing the defense as a whole. Yeah, and I think the thing for me, I go back to the Charger game and, you know, going for it in the situation where the Chargers did, and you just saw, you know, a, a rookie make a play in a crucial situation, and it was just like, wow, yeah, maybe, maybe that wasn't really essentially the call to go to if you were the Chargers. Um, but Martin Emerson, it's it, it's been solid to this point, and, you know, certainly a, a future piece here uh, for years to come for the Cleveland Browns secondary. The rookie edge rushers, um, you know, Alex Wright – it's. I think we all kind of anticipated this. You know, it was going to be a big jump in competition, obviously, for Alex Wright. His time in college, he was used inside. He was used outside. Um, Isaiah Thomas, we thought maybe he was a little bit more complete, uh, you know, at coming into this. But, you know, playing in the Big 12, being the age that Isaiah Thomas was, uh, you know, I think it was a fair assessment to make. Um, but, hey, there's nothing wrong with finding a role and being able to continue contribute even if you know you're a third or fourth rotational defensive end in a unit right so starting with uh isaiah thomas listening to kevin stefanski talk about him is exactly what i took away when i watched him at oklahoma he does his job he's going to execute his assignment to the best of his ability every time and that allows you to use him in a number of ways at oklahoma they use them up and down the line without any fear of him because they could trust him. I think the Browns can trust him. Now, is he good enough to really be a dominant pass rusher? You know, I tend to doubt it, but, you know, doing what he's doing has, has value. And, and what he did to Jonah Williams makes you take a step back and go, maybe he can be a little more than that. So it, it's, 
you know, Genevieve Clowney's injury, Miles Garrett's injuries have been very frustrating. God knows we've seen too much of Isaac Rochelle, but that has allowed Isaiah Thomas to get on the field. That has allowed uh, Alex Wright to get on the field. And it has been, you know, the growing pains have been difficult. There, there's no getting around that. Um, the fact that the Browns defensive tackles are so bad doesn't help those edge guys either. But I think Alex Wright is starting to figure it out a little bit. Like you said, I think it was always going to be a tough rookie year for him. And that's part of the reason they brought back Clowney and may bring back Clowney again is because <laughs> they're trying to get this kid ready for a, a, a bigger role. But it, it was going to take some time. But he has the things the Browns really like. He's long. He's huge in terms of his weight. Uh, he has the ability to, to, to avoid getting reached, to be able to force things back inside. And he's got speed. Uh, and if he can, you know, put those things together in terms of rushing the passer, he can be a nice player. As it is, he's a okay base end, which for what the Browns want to do is kind of an important thing. I, I you know, I don't think the Browns can come out of this season. And, and obviously, look, there's nine games to go. I, I doubt the Browns are going to come out of this season and go, nope, we are set at left end with Alex Wright. But I didn't look at that – you know, to be the case anyway, I always looked at this as sort of you get Alex right and you're probably going to come back, whether it's with clown resigning Clowney or and drafting another young guy there to sort of balance out the financial issues and just get more talent. I think that's going to be where the Browns go. So they get three and four guys because that defensive end position, that role is the most important position in this defense. And I think, you know, talking about this team, the way it is and the way it is, you know, currently constructed, it, there is no such thing as. Well, I've been. It, yeah, I don't know. It just that uh, booted me off. It said my my connection was an issue. Where were where, where were we? You were closing up. That's fine. Um. Okay. So yeah. All right. So. So you see with the way it is constructed, there's no such thing as enough defensive ends for the Cleveland Browns. There's no such thing as enough cornerbacks for the Cleveland Browns. That's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. You know, if you're building your defense based on the fact that you're going to be a winning and a successful team, you understand it's going to be about pass rush. It's going to be about coverage. Pete, the safeties. And I think we all kind of like the players. The question is, do they actually have the right, safeties for the way this defense wants to perform i i don't have a issue with their skill sets uh, to me i think it's one I, I think the preparation piece that was sort of lobbied lobbed into that into the, the public discourse by john johnson i think grant delpit was was one of those players that wasn't adequately prepared 
uh, and he struggled at, at times. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy where, where he was, um, he was so good at the end of last year and had such a great summer. It's like he got there and, and took his foot off the gas a little bit. Maybe, you know, like I think a lot of those players on defense, I, I think the Deshaun Watson news may have affected them more than they real than they re would really admit that, you know, I think when they thought six games, they were like, okay, we can do this. I think 11 games may have been a bigger punch in the gut than they were ready for. But you add that to the whole aspect of they weren't playing well. They had those letdowns. They melt down against Carolina a little bit. They, they have the full-on meltdown against the Jets. There's all these other games where you can look at it and go, there's a bad play here. There's a bad play there. I think the Patriots game for Grant Delpit was rock bottom, uh, which he, he apparently he has admitted, at least the way John Johnson tells it. But you look at the last two games, he was great against the Ravens. And I know he got called for some ticky-tack penalties, but that's the problem. They were ticky-tack penalties. He got called for uh, on a hold for Mark Andrews when he just jammed him into the ground. And, and Mark Andrews just got beat. Uh, and then against the Bengals, I, I think part of why that was successful is because they put him in the position where he's really excelled. So they played almost exclusively too high. And they let him come downhill when the ball was in front of him. And he's good at doing that. He's a really good run support player coming downhill. He he can't, you know, people knock him for his tackling. He's actually way better at it than he was at LSU. And particularly uh, when he's just got to come down and fill, he can do that job. And he's got a lot of size and, and ability. I think what you've seen the past two weeks is the safety position sort of stabilized. Um and it's unfortunate that it had to happen for the, the second year in a row the way it did, uh, where the first half of last year, safety position was just just wildly inconsistent. Uh, and that was with Ronnie Harrison back there. They make the switch to Delpit, put him back there with the too high look, and all of a sudden things got better. Now we had to do that again, unfortunately, which is you know which is problematic and and, and worrying for a few reasons. But they've gotten to a point where it looks better. Um, he's playing better. I think John Johnson is better than he gets credit for. He just has the absolute worst timing to do dumb stuff. I, I like. I, it's very hard to like. I, I I don't know how many players I've seen on this team who have worse timing to do dumb things. Than, than John Johnson does, whether it's the personal foul or, or some of the other stuff. And and I grant he's not a great run support player, but he is a solid coverage player, and he's been the most consistent guy in the back end. So just having those guys stabilizing that position is a big deal. Now, with the two games they've just had, with the bye week, if they can gain some momentum and roll that over into the second half of the season, where now you get the Miami Dolphins, you get the Buffalo Bills, these are the games that the Browns defense, if they are who we, who they believe they are, they, they should be absolutely amped to play these two games because they get an opportunity to prove that they are the defense that they thought was going to come in and be a top five unit. Um, they should be jacked for this type of game because they're going to be put in the same situation. They're going to be putting that too high a look. I can't imagine they're going to play anyone high against the, the Dolphins unless it's a you know a disguised coverage where it's going to end up being too high. Um, they're going to be put in that position. It's a big test with those two receivers, but I think it's going to allow them to just 
be more comfortable, play more aggressive, and hopefully start to make plays as opposed to just preventing them. Uh, no question about it. And we're going to get some more heel uh, on the Miami Dolphins with Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated, your latest locked on Browns. Thursday night football. Uh, yeah, it's Falcons. Yeah, it's Panthers. Maybe the game is not that appealing, but you want to know what? You can always go with, uh, you know, a little, you know, prize picks. See what you can do. Um, how does it work? It's simple. You pick two to five players, and if they go and score more or less than their prize pick projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's literally just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, of course, men's and women's college basketball, which is now underway. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no space, you deposit 100, they give you 100. You deposit 50, they give you 50, et cetera, et cetera. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on. That's sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Jeff Lloyd joined by Pete Smith. We're sitting here talking. Uh, you know, Brown's coming back from the bye week. Some good news. It looks like some players are coming back healthy. You know, Wyatt Teller at practice yesterday, Denzel Ward at practice yesterday. David Njoku on the bike, walking without a limp. We'll see the status of Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa as the week goes on. But, Pete, you've mentioned in what Waddle and what Tyreek Hill to this point are doing with Tua Tagovailoa. It's it's bananas. It's it's literally it's Madden production they're kind of getting right now. Um, and you go into this, you know, if you're the Browns, you've got to find a way because look, when you you know, when you broke the spoke and you ended up with a couple of flat tires and games you should have won earlier in the year, it's basically now time to, you know, you get basically got to pay the guys here. You've got to find a way to come back and get games that originally maybe, you know, you weren't slated to look at a, having a way to pull out a victory this Sunday in Miami, which is, you know, it gets to be a little bit of a difficult road trip because you're going somewhere, you know, the heat can sometimes be a little bit more of a factor than you're used to. Although, you know, it's not really been, you know, obscenely cold yet to this point. But you go down there, and this is, it's a difficult, difficult matchup because you can do a lot of things right here, and the next thing you know, you turn around, Waddle Hill went 45, 50, 60 yards, and it can be a back-breaking moment. Yeah, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle account for 69% of the Dolphins' receiving yards. That's an insane number. By contrast, I think uh, Cooper, Njoku, and Peoples-Jones are at like 74% of the Browns' receiving yards, which is a lot. But almost 70%. Like Mike Jasicki, who I love, is is big in the red zone, but he doesn't have very many yards. It's all those other two. And look, Joe Woods gets a lot of crap, most of it undeserved. But he he was right on in terms of understanding what the pulse of the NFL was and where it was going when he put together this defense and what the Browns wanted to do. So he has a defense that has a ton of speed on the back end. It has the the capability to match up with this type of offense, it doesn't have to stop Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. It just has to be able to get enough stops to allow you to win. Obviously it would be a lot easier and a lot better if Denzel Ward was not only not coming off an injury, but had been playing well this whole year. He hasn't, and he is. So that's troubling. 
and it's going to be difficult. But if he can come back and be effective, they're 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 better served for it. Greg Newsom is built for this type of matchup. He's got the speed. He's got the, the the capability to play in this type of game. And this may be a game where we see, you know, what could be the an opportunity for Greedy Williams to, one, showcase the talent that he showed in 21, where he was a very good corner for a lot of the year. And two, make a very big statement to teams that he want, you know, that, that are potentially going to be in the market for a player like him next year. He is fast enough to cover these guys. And he's long. So hopefully he avoids seafood before this game. And then he can be ready to go and, and contribute. And you've got Martin Emerson, who, like I mentioned before, I don't think he's going to be a featured part of the offense. But if he is, it's going to be with one thing in mind. Beat them up off the line of scrimmage. And that's it. Um, but just the combination of players that this team has brought in, you have the safeties and everything. I think it allows the Browns to compete in this type of game. The Dolphins have less rushing yards in nine games than Nick Chubb has in eight. They're not a big threat. And frankly, if the, if the Dolphins are in the business of handing it off, good. Every play that they handed off to Jeff Wilson or, you know, any of the other mediocre running backs they have there is, is a play that's not to Hill or Waddle. So, Look, like I said, I think this is the type of game where the Browns should be excited about this type of game. The Dolphins are the fastest team in the NFL on offense. The Browns are at least in the conversation for one of the fastest teams on defense. They're young. They're, they're, it's not a finished defense. I, I grant all of that. And I don't think they have to win to prove the point. But I do think if they can play with the intensity that they had the past two games, if they can have the preparation that they had, the past two games, both this game against the Dolphins with the bye week to prepare, and then next week against the Buffalo Bills, I think they can make a strong statement about who this team is going to be. And, yes, you can't ignore, you know, the six games where they were not good. But I think this year, as much as people hate to hear this, was about next year. And if they can get that momentum going for next year with a fully available uh, Deshaun Watson – they create that momentum, then they can look at that and suddenly go, okay, we're in championship mode or whatever, however you want to phrase that. But I think that, that suddenly they go, our window is right now. Certainly, certainly a way to look at it. Pete, we'd be remiss if we didn't go this route. Uh, obviously, the Indianapolis Colts yesterday, you know, strange as it was, and you know, Frank Reich, look, you know, I mean, you want to move on, you want to move on, but, you know, at least give the guy something at the quarterback position. Don't keep trying to go retreads. You move on from Frank Reich. I know a lot of people up in arms with the Jeff Saturday move, but if you see something that you were truly thinking about, you know, if you are within, you know, Jim or say within the Colts organization, this is maybe a chance to give it some legs. Hey, you're going to get a half a season. Is this something, A, you're cut out for? B, do you want to commit to? Jim or say, obviously enamored with the person that Jeff Saturday is, the football mind that Jeff Saturday is, it would have been really difficult to try and go and do this in an offseason because the offseason is not going to be the test of whether or not a guy truly wants to do it. It's going to be in-season. It's going to be regular season, postseason, if that comes, da 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 But it was bold, but obviously for Jim Irsay, how are you ever going to try this move if you really think that maybe this is something Jeff Saturday is capable of? And we'll see. We'll find out. 
I get it that the idea that you have a, a shortened, you know, the, the nine games or whatever the Colts have left um, is an opportunity to, to see what Saturday can do. And it's not a shot at Saturday, but it's a joke. It's a joke to the guys in the building who are more qualified to do it. It's a joke to every minority candidate who is desperately trying to get their foot in the door. Uh, it's just it's a sideshow. And this is going to. If he has any success, you know, which I don't think he will, um, it's going to provide cover for the Houston Texans to kick out Lovey Smith and hire Josh McCown. Um, so, to at what point are we going to ask the question? Like, what is, you know, necessary to be a good football coach? If, if not doing it in the NFL for years and years and years. What, why, why bother? I mean, it, it's a horrible message to minority candidates who hope to be head coaches because you basically just the dude hired his buddy. And I get it on 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 there. There comes a point where if it's Jim Ursay or any other owner, it's their team. Ultimately, they get to hire whoever they really want because they own the team. They, they, that's fine. But it sends a really bad message and it ultimately makes the NFL look terrible in terms of what comprises their ownership, because you're always going to have this lingering conversation about, well, why isn't so-and-so getting a shot? Because we're, we're now hiring guys who we liked as players and are, are we're effectively our buddies or whatever it is with Jeff Saturday. I, I don't know, but um, I don't really care either. Like it, he was three and seven in his last high school, high school season. Like you, it's such a privilege to be an NFL owner because it would be difficult to, to hire that at another high school, let alone an <laughs> NFL team. Like, you know, he could be a great coach, but like when you get, you know, those hiring processes and you're going, you know, when the article is printed in the paper, it's going to say three and seven is last year. Like that, that type of stuff is real. And, and, and it just, it's fantasy land stuff when you get to the NFL. It's going to be interesting, uh, for sure. Um, and, you know, Colts will see the way it all parlays out for them and, you know, a lot, lot more bigger needs. Uh, you know, I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, I guess it really doesn't matter exactly who the head coach even is. So we'll see the way that all, you know, plays out going further for the Indianapolis Colts. Got to a bunch of stuff here today. You know, basically some midway stuff coming back from the bye week, the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball here. You know, a little preview here, Miami Dolphins. Coming up Sunday, Browns on the road, 1 o'clock as they go down to Hard Rock to face the Dolphins. Pete Smith of Browns. Yes, and sportsillustrated.com. Make sure you're checking everything out, of the, out over there. Um, of course, you know, Pete's got a weekly podcast. Make sure you check that out as well. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. As for myself, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show at Lockdown Browns. We appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen, whether it's in podcast form on your favorite podcast app. Of course, available on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notifications button. And check out the Roku app. Uh, Locked on Cleveland Sports. You'll find Locked on Browns, Locked on Guardians. Of course, Locked on Cavaliers. And the guys over at the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go.